your subconscious programming is going to get you to believe something that is inaccurate. So you need to be looking at the data. On the flip side of that, you need to also have enough experience that you can trust your intuition and trust yourself to make those gut decisions. Are you ready to master your mindset and your business? Join thousands of women each week who use this podcast as a tool to create financial and emotional wealth. And when you're ready to scale to the next level, visit theunstoppablewoman.com slash go. I often talk about making quick decisions as one of the basic tenets of success for scaling a business and doing it quickly. And yet there are thousands of decisions that a business owner needs to make on the daily, on the weekly, on the monthly, and you can hit decision overload. And so today I want to talk with you about how to access business intelligence And the two ways to do that in order to make really good decisions in order to scale your business. So we're talking about the two ways to use business intelligence to make better decisions to scale your business. Okay, let's get started. First of all, how many of you have had one of those days where you're like pulling out your hair and you're like, I can't make another freaking decision today. Now that's not every day. Some days you're rocking and rolling. Some days you're like, yep, all good. Uh, hit me with the next thing. I can conquer that. I can make a decision. I'm, I'm clear. I'm directed. I'm, I'm focused. I know where I'm going. I have my vision, all of that. And then other days you're in this like a state of confusion about the direction of your business. And it happens to many, many very smart, very driven, very uh, competent women entrepreneurs. And I want to break down the, the way to get around that and give you a few very tactical tips and how I go about really moving out of the decision overload and decision fatigue and into being super, super clear about the decisions that I'm making in my business and feeling very good about it and reducing the friction and quite frankly, the exhaustion that comes from not knowing if you're making a good decision. So let's just pause right there and and talk about that for a moment because that's a really important point that when you don't know if you're making a good decision when you're in some sort of confusion or there's a lack of clarity or you don't know what to base your decision on. You don't have the business intelligence to on which to stand in order to make that decision. It is exhausting. Your mind starts spinning on, you know, trying to, it's like churning, trying to figure out exactly how to make this decision, but you don't have the the business intelligence to base that decision on. So you're in the dark. You don't want to make a mistake. You, you know, sometimes the decisions are around uh, very significant things in terms of maybe hiring, hiring team or um, investments in your business, uh, directions that you want to take the business in. And it feels very weighty. And if you make 
the wrong quote unquote decision, you'll, you'll be off track in a, in a giant way. And that often does happen. And yet you don't have the knowledge, the grounding, the, the basis on which to make the decision. So today I'm going to talk about the two different kinds of business intelligence that you really need in order to make grounded decisions, powerful decisions, effective decisions, decisions that move your business forward, that that help you scale your business, and, and good decisions as well. Like good meaning like they are the right decision for you. Okay. So fundamentally, baseline, you need business intelligence. What is business intelligence? It's knowledge about your business. And we're going to look at this in in two two ways. Way number one, data-driven. Okay, cold hard facts. We're gonna dive into how to how to look at that, what to look for, how to how to go about that. We you need the data on which to make good decisions. And then on the other hand, seemingly on the opposite side of things, is you need to use your intuition, use your gut. Use your spidey senses. Use use the just that inner knowing to really make a good decision for yourself. And those two things may seem like they're opposite, but when you master working with both of them, there's an integration and you start learning to trust yourself. Okay, so the first thing that we want to say about the data-driven side is, do you have the facts? Are you actually looking at factual numbers or are you making up what's happening in your business? So the the numbers don't lie, but oftentimes you haven't been tracking the numbers or you're not tracking the, the correct numbers. So let's say you're looking at whether an initiative is working. It's a marketing initiative. Maybe it's how you're doing accounts receivable. Um, maybe it's cl- looking at client retention or hiring initiatives. There's some sort of initiative that you've put into play. And you have to first look at what the numbers are saying about that. Instead of just being in a guessing game and thinking emotionally, why is this not working or this isn't working? You've got to look at the numbers and evaluate them. Okay. So, this might seem obvious, but three things get in the way of looking at that, that the data, the numbers. Um, one, you don't track. You're not tracking any metrics. You're not tracking any numbers for that initiative. You're not tracking how many days it takes to, to get how many uh, resumes for hiring, how many resumes you have to sift through to get to uh, the number of candidates you need to to interview in order to get your top three candidates to make a final decision from. You're not tracking that. You're not tracking um, what types of, uh, maybe you do assessments for particular roles that you're hiring for, and you don't have any um, back information on what that role requires. So you don't have any information to look at and, and really be able to make a data-driven decision. So we don't necessarily track all those things that I just mentioned around hiring, but if you want to know if your hiring is effective, you have to recognize... So let me back up for one second. I just, I'm just i thinking about this because I just had this experience with the director of operations on, on our team. She thought that 
particular ad uh, job description wasn't working for a position that we are hiring for in our company. And the challenge that I had there was that she had posted it in one place and had had allowed one day, and she was comparing it to the numbers from doing this previously in the same place. Actually, I think she posted it in two places. But the last time she posted a job in this this group where she was successful in sourcing a, a fantastic team member for us, she had like 20 or 30 uh, responses in one day. And those are numbers, okay? So we're not actually tracking the numbers for every single um, piece, but she knew that for in this group, she usually gets 20 or 30 responses in one day for a job posting. And, and what comes next is looking at and evaluating. I'm kind of jumping ahead in my, my teaching here, but evaluating those numbers. So, so she had the numbers, but when I, when I evaluated what the job was that we were posting for and where we posted it, those weren't a match. So those numbers were not apples to apples. We couldn't use that as a metric. And she needed to be posting this new position in a different place in order to get better response. So the numbers don't lie, but the numbers tell you, oh, we're not in the right place. So that allows you to make a better business decision about where you're posting your ads. Okay, I'm going to get back on track here. So you need to look at what the numbers say. First, three things that get in people's way on this. They don't track numbers. They don't have any numbers involved in, in, in their tracking. They don't know. Um, they're not tracking numbers in their marketing campaigns. They're not tracking accounts payable or accounts receivable or client retention numbers or client success numbers or anything like that. So you need to start tracking. The second thing is people track but don't look. I know that seems odd, but it happens. And the third piece is they don't have a good comparison for those numbers. So you might be doing a marketing campaign and be thinking it's not working because only 2% of the people uh, responded. And yet if you compared that to uh, someone who's been in the biz for a long time, they would say, oh, that's an amazing uh, return on, on your efforts because marketing campaigns don't convert at 90%. They convert at 2% in this arena. Now, don't take those numbers and run with them because it depends on your marketing campaign that you're you're using. But if you don't know how they compare, you're going to think that you're not doing well. So you need to have comparative data. There's some sub-issues here in terms of not knowing what to track or tracking the wrong thing, or tracking too much, or tracking too little. Tracking too much means that you have overhead on the admin side that will be dragging you down, but that those numbers are not effective numbers. And tracking too little means that you don't have the data that you need to really make some good decisions. So you, in order to track the right things in the right amount, this sounds a little obvious, but uh, it might trigger for some of you an adjustment here. Understand what your goal is. What do you want to have happen in your business? And are you tracking the key things that are going to move the needle to have that effect, have that result? 
So what are the specific actions that need to be taken in order to have that result? So those would be leading indicators. Those are things that are actions that need to be tracked that happen before the result that you want. So let's say that you are tracking in the sales arena and your leading indicators, you, you, the thing that you want are um, sales and you need to have 100 sales conversations a month in order to close at 30% and have 30 sales. So you're tracking conversations and you're tracking your close rate, all of that. But what needs to happen in order to get those 100 uh, sales conversations? You need to understand what actions come in advance of that and track those actions. So that would be your outreach. That would be your email, number of emails, number of maybe you go to networking events, right? Like you need to track the actions that you need to take in order to get those hundred calls booked a month. A hundred calls booked a month is a lot, but I'm just making up numbers there. Well, it's a lot for a solo entrepreneur company. It's not a lot for a, a, a much larger company. So it all depends what kind of company you're running. You need to track the leading indicators versus the lagging indicators. And you need to come up with, with a way of tracking that and put someone on your team uh, on tracking that and giving you the, the information. Then you have to look and study those numbers. So what are the numbers saying? And, you know, what gets in the way? You have to solve what gets in the way, which is not tracking, not looking, and not having a good comparison, and not tracking the the, the right things, okay? Uh, the second thing is you have to look at what the numbers are actually saying. So, um for you, you need to figure out what the right cadence is for reviewing the numbers. Is it daily? Is it weekly? Is it monthly? It all depends on your initiative your and, and how quickly something could go off course and you need to look at numbers. For instance, if you're spending $20,000 a day on Facebook ads, you want to be looking at your numbers every day. If you are not, then you don't have to look as often because it's less of a big big deal if there's a minor shift on the daily. Okay, so what's the cadence and how often? Get that calendared. And then who on the team is gathering that data for you? Is it you? Is it someone on your team? Is it someone on the team doing the analysis for you? Can someone else be in charge of looking at those numbers and giving you a summary? What level of review do you want to have for each initiative? It's going to be different for each initiative. You don't have to have your eyes on all the data for, for everything in your business. And again, that depends on where you're at in your business. But for the things that move the needle, you're going to want to be tracking that and watching that, either um, getting a summary scorecard in your leadership team meeting or a summary scorecard in your marketing or ops meeting or sales meeting, or you're going to want to to have those sent to you and be looking at them on weekly. But that all of that has to be a rhythm and fleshed out for yourself so that it's a regular occurrence and that you're not just blowing it off. Okay. 
So the third thing is what are you comparing it to? And you need to know industry standards. And this is super important. So if you don't understand industry standards, then your mind, and this is where the the inner game piece comes in, your mind will make up stories about what those numbers mean. Your mind will say and will confirm a a self-image that says you're not good enough, you're not doing a good enough job, you're not working hard enough. All of all of those not enoughnesses will come out and and your mind will make up a story and say you're not good enough. This is not good enough. If you don't compare it to other data metrics that make sense in your industry. So here's an example from my own personal uh, business that just occurred like yesterday. I was having a leadership team meeting and we were fleshing out different roles in the company. And it was really, it was a very powerful meeting. And one of the things that came up was looking at the back the, the back end of our company. Like, what do, what do I mean by that? The inside, behind the scenes, how our company is running. And I was like, oh, it's so messy. Okay, truth and be told, um, I love order. I believe in order. I love things organized and ordered. And I will probably always have a sense that things are messier than they need to be and not in in good order. And, but in this case, I really thought, oh my goodness, like all of this is a mess, right? All of this, like I was talking about what was happening in our business. I'm like, all of this is just such a mess. And both my director of operations and my strategic advisor, who is, uh, you know, she does our, our marketing strategy for us, both trusted advisors to me were like, you know what? Our business is not a mess. We've been in the back end of a lot of businesses, and this business is not a mess. And I was like, really? Is that true? Are you just telling me that? Are you blowing smoke up my skirt? Like, are you for reals? Like, that was the the conversation because I did not have any comparison. I didn't have any data business intelligence. I didn't have the business intelligence on which to make that judgment. So I was judging us too harshly. And I was like, oh, look at that. There's my not enough story in the form of it's such a mess. It's it's disordered. And and when I stepped back from it, I was like, you know what? We got we got things really rocking and rolling. And whenever, like I know this, whenever you're in growth, which we're always in growth, there's going to be adjustments and that's going to be messy. So there you go. Little personal reflection there. So you need to know what industry standards are. Now, the caveat here is you want to be comparing yourself to something that's equivalent, not something that is, a, a, you know, if you're making a million dollars a year, you don't want to be comparing yourself to some someone who's making 25 or $50 million a year. They're going to have different numbers and different business intelligence and different metrics and all of that. But you, you want to be comparing how well you're doing you're going to want to use the numbers, the data-driven numbers as business intelligence to compare yourself to where you're at in business. To are you are you improving week over week, month over month, year over year, comparing your numbers to your previous state as opposed to 
only looking at what the industry is doing. Okay. So those are two different ways of using this, this law of relativity, um, making sure that you're using it in a way that's powerful for you and uh, supports you, doesn't diminish you. So law of relativity, if you haven't been following the podcast for a while, go back and listen to our trainings and, and episodes on the law of relativity. The law of relativity basically says that nothing is good or bad, large or small, until you compare it to something else. So what are you comparing it to? And are you are you comparing it to the right thing in order to receive the right business intelligence for yourself? Okay. So now what about the other side of making decisions? That was all the data-driven side. That was all the numbers. And, you know, there's plenty of ways that, you know, like rabbit holes we could go in down into talking about uh data and what numbers to track and all of that. And and I love the numbers. I have a, a perspective that you have to make love to the numbers, like know your numbers. But the other side is around your intuition and trusting yourself and being someone who, who really drops in and understands what is right for her and right for her business. And the truth here is you actually know. You might be suppressing that knowledge. You might not trust yourself. But you know, at some level, it deep inside you, you know you have spidey senses. And you have to start trusting that. So how do you do that? How do you start knowing what is your truth? What is your um, intuition? speaking to you versus just a random thought. Well, this happens on the field of play. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. You have to get on the field of play. And this means being willing to make mistakes. And this stops so many women wanting to be perfect in advance of the experience. That's the mentality. I need to be perfect in advance of of having the experience because I'm going to be hurt or judged or shamed if I make a mistake. And yet we become more, we become bigger, we become our greatest versions of ourselves when we put ourselves out there, learn from our mistakes. And that's not just a a pat kind of attitude, you know, flip thing to say, of course you learn from your mistakes. But there's, there's like this deep underbelly of Uh, holding back that I see for fear of making a mistake. And you have to put yourself on the field of play because if you don't, you'll never be able to triangulate the information that you get from making a good decision or a bad decision. And when you actually go forward, make decisions and start triangulating it, you get a kind of business intelligence. You get that that experience that then is in your cells and you know instantaneously whether something's a yes or a no, a left or a right, a go, no go. Like you know so deeply. So a great example of this is uh, a recent last year example of running Facebook ads. And I just... I kept asking about the targeting. I kept saying, I don't think we're targeting the right people. I was assured that we were. And I kept asking it and kept asking it. And finally, I was like, show me the targeting. Like, 
this does not seem right. And the targeting was off. It wasn't right. And I just had a spidey sense about it. And I knew, I knew something was off. The numbers were telling me that we were off. Like we weren't having uh, effective use of our efforts, our money, all of that. And I just knew in my gut something was off. And sure enough, when we dug in, I was correct. So that is a kind of business intelligence that you need to pay attention to. Another example of this is around team. When you just know someone isn't the right fit for your team or the business has grown bigger than what they can contribute. And, you know, that's happened multiple times for me. And I have, I've had to learn to trust my spidey senses and gut intuition on that and make faster decisions. And, you know, zero regrets about that and the way it's worked. But that's an example of like, over time, you just know, and you can go through the motions of, trying to make it work, but you on some level just know, and you might as well rip the bandaid off and compassionately move, move forward and on. Uh, the same thing with contractors. That's another great place to use your intuition. When you, you're trying to make an invest, a decision of, you know, whether to work with a contractor, make an investment to work with a contractor and you don't have the, the, any data from working with them, you have to base it on something. You have to, what's the business intelligence that you can base it on? And uh, this is another place where it's really important to have had that experience so you can fall back on paying attention to your intuition and self-trust there and start learning to trust yourself. So the more experience that you have, the more triangulation of that experience you can make and the more trust that you can create for yourself. So this is where you you can just show up as a leader and say, I just know I, I my intuition is this, and that is enough business intelligence for you to make a powerful decision. Okay, so these are the two fundamental ways of making really good, powerful business decisions for yourself that are based on accurate business intelligence. We have the data-driven side, and then we have the intuition side. And you have to integrate both sides in your business. You can't just be like, oh, I just felt it, and not look at the data because your subconscious programming is going to get you to believe something that is inaccurate. So you need to be looking at the data. On the flip side of that, you need to also have enough experience that you can trust your intuition and trust yourself to make the, those gut decisions. And there's there's an integration of both of these, and then there's a discernment about what to rely on in each moment. And you have to learn that on the field of play. And when you do this, you will start trusting yourself and reducing that business fatigue, and you'll start growing your business faster. So you'll start scaling faster than you ever thought possible. So with that, I would love to hear what dropped in for you. Please let me know what data you're tracking, how you're making love to the numbers, and 
how you're, what's the next decision that you're going to make that you're going to just trust yourself on and move forward so that you can start building that intuition and that experience level. So uh, that's what I've got for you today. I'm Amira Alvarez. I am the founder and CEO of The Unstoppable Woman, and I'm super grateful that you're in my world, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please give it a thumbs up, a like, a share, a review, all of that, and catch in the next episode. Take care.